Well, hello there. Welcome to Tub Talk. It's Tuesday, and you know what that means. Time for Tub Talk, the live podcast for IT consultants. Richard Tub here at home in the studio garage in Newcastle-upon-Tyne in the northeast of England. Now, this is the show, the live show, where I talk to the smartest, most successful people in the managed service provider, the MSP industry, to give you the opportunity to learn from them with tips, techniques, practices, tools, everything that will help make your IT business run faster, better, and stronger. As always with these live shows, we are very, very interactive. So whether you're joining us via LinkedIn, via Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, or anywhere else, let us know in the comments now. Let us know where you're joining us from so we can give you a shout out. And as we go on in the show, if you've got any questions or comments at all for our guest today, fire them over in the comments. We're monitoring all of those channels for your feedback, and I'll make sure that I pause very regularly to ask your questions and to give you a name check as well. So, on to our main event for today, and I am very excited to be joined by our guest and my good friend, Chris Tate. Now, Chris is the Global Strategic Alliance Director at Mikey. Mikey, if you're unfamiliar with them, offer our password and uh, two-factor authentication management solution specifically designed for MSPs, MSSPs, and VARs. More on that very, very shortly. Chris is hugely respected in our MSP space. You know, everybody knows him, everybody likes Chris. And the reason being, he has worked in an MSP business before, uh, multiple MSP businesses as a service manager, a technical director, and a director of product strategy. All of this before he started his own website, totallymsp.com. And then he traveled all over the world as the former business development director at Datto as well. So this is a man who has been there and done that in all aspects of our industry. One of the reasons I would say that Chris is so well-known and liked is for the time he spends evangelizing about managed service providers in the MSP community. So Chris is a longtime member of CompTIA, the CompTIA UK channel community, and he currently serves on the executive council uh, as a member in the CompTIA community as well. What is more, and Chris reminds me of this every time I speak to him, in 2020, he was voted the CompTIA UK Spotlight Award winner. And genuinely, I can't think of anybody who is more deserving of that title. Chris, welcome to Tub Talk. How are you doing, my friend? Yeah, really good. Thank you. I was slightly taken aback by that introduction. Uh, thank you very much for saying that. Also a little bit ashamed and embarrassed about the uh, relative lack of background in my in my office compared to your garage. So uh, I need to... I guess up my game for next time. I just, I'm just hoping. I don't know what happens if Claire comes back with the car at any point. Are you going to get uh, get moved out to the garage or something? It's the studio garage. We've got to say this, please. Kayfabe here. We've got to keep all this on the download. The studio garage. Can't you see how well cultivated it is behind? But uh, <laughs> yeah, really good to have you joining us uh, today, mate. Really appreciate it. Uh, know you're a busy man. Let's start with where we are today. And for anybody who's not familiar with Mikey, how would you describe what the company does? Uh, yeah, great question. Uh, Mikey is um, relatively new to the MSP channel, I guess. We launched the 
the first product, the password and turf management solution at Datocon in Paris in October 2019. I think, well, I know you were there. So that was kind of the, almost the, the last event, the last big event that we got to go to, right? Because I guess in 2021, a lot, sorry, 2020, a lot of the big events were cancelled. So we launched it then after feedback from MSPs. Mikey was, Mikey came to market as a consumer password turf A management solution and it kind of works on sort of hybrid cloud to synchronize passwords between devices so they're not stored in the cloud so there's no master password and this kind of thing but one of the things that was happening were MSPs were coming to us and this is a path well trodden from other vendors and saying that's a really cool product how can we have it for an MSP have you got an MSP product have you got a have you got a channel program and then what happened is it was kind of almost well this seems like a great route to market. Let's retool the product to a certain extent and let's go all in with MSPs, which is where we are now. So the product's been around probably five years and probably we're a couple of years into the MSP side of business. But yeah, we're all in with the MSP community now. And as you said, I was at that DatoCon event where the product was launched and um, grabbed my smartphone, uh, spoke to the guys on the uh, on your stall and uh, did a little video and we put it up on Twitter probably within the hour. And that was one of the most uh, tweeted things uh, that we had at uh, DatoCon in Paris. So I can tell there was a lot of excitement already uh, for, for the Mikey product. So more on that shortly. I want to talk about cybersecurity as a whole a little bit more as well. But before we do, I alluded to it earlier. You know, you've been in the MSP industry roughly, I think, about the same sort of period of time uh, as I have. Tell us a little bit more about your experience as an MSP. Um, well, yeah, I, I imagine maybe a little bit longer than you. I don't, I don't know for sure. Um, I know that you're probably older than you look, or um, the other way, I can agree, which is the compliment, which is the insult. But uh, yeah, I, I started in a company in Nottingham in 1988, and so that's kind of my first start. Uh, straight from sixth form college, I just did the A levels, and I started as a junior computer programmer, and this is when computer programmers were uncool. It's not like a, I was never a coder or anything along those lines. I didn't have stickers on my laptop. I didn't, I didn't have a laptop. So it was like 1988 and I was programming accounting software, fleet control software for digital PDP-11 mini computers. And this business gradually evolved over time. As I guess as the IT industry started to, to take shape, the, the PC became more common. And then what happened is things like network came along and then people started to use network to PCs. Um, Microsoft um, acquired, uh, developed a Unix variant called uh, Xenix, which they kind of licensed through different manufacturers, Unisys, SEO, people like this. And so gradually speaking, we transitioned from a mini computer software company to, I guess, a um, microcomputer software company that was working with uh, Unisys, Hewlett-Packard, on that kind of hardware, so 8086-based hardware. And over time, again, it's, it's a strange transition, but over time, the kind of the programming side of the business, the bespoke software side of the business started to reduce. And we started to become a what we would now refer to as an MSP, a kind of one-stop shop outsourced IT department for these small to medium-sized businesses. It's just at the time we were called IT support companies, I guess. It wasn't, no one had thought of the MSP name at that point, but effectively we were doing pretty much what an MSP does now except it was a little bit more difficult because we didn't have the advantage of the internet and all the kind of remote access technologies and things that, that we've got available. So I was with that company for a long time. Um, 
before I kind of made the move to another MSP, which was Orchid IT in Derby. Uh, again, they were kind of a support-based organization at the time, very hardware dependent. And what we did was we tried to transition that business from being a hardware um, supplier into a kind of MSP. So that's where we started to leverage some of the MSP tools. So I think the first thing we probably signed up with was probably, I think from members, probably Hound Dog, and then we looked when we got Autotask, and then we kind of started to get into the MSP ecosystem. And this is kind of where I actually first met a lot of the people in that, that I still know now in this kind of the early days of the MSP community. Um, and then ultimately, um, Orchid IT got sold to GCI, who are telecoms company. Now, I guess a lot of people uh, watching today will be aware of or will remember there was a period in the UK specifically where telecoms companies were acquiring IT companies left, right, and center. And that was one of them. So it was part of, it was part of a fairly long train of happened. So I did that, worked at GCI on the product side for a little while before deciding to have a go at a, a website based on totallymsp.com, which I thought could be a, an MSP resource. And you were a great help with that, Richard. I remember meeting you to talk about it when I first had the idea and you drove down to Nottingham. We had a good chat. So that worked really well. And honestly, I think I probably would still be doing that if it wasn't for Datto, because I think a lot of the work I was doing with the website with Totally MSP was being sponsored by Datto. So I was working with Datto on content. I was working with them on, um, they were paying for advertising for the site. So I was spending a lot of time with Datto. We're already a Datto partner previously at GCI. And then the, the offer came in one day, well, you know, why don't you come and work at Datto? And that's when I had to think about, do I do that or keep, continue with Totally MSP? And I joined Datto. And I guess that's probably a sort of potted history of, um, how I got where I am today. Yeah. And fast forward to today, you're championing Mikey across the MSP scene. Um, as I mentioned, Mikey's a company that I first came across um, a few years ago at DattoCon. So, uh, you know, there's uh, lots of links in there with Datto. I was instantly impressed with the product. As I said earlier, did a video of it. We put it out there on uh, Twitter. Got really great feedback on it as well. For anybody not familiar with the technical aspect of it, so the, the way Mikey's password manager stores and secures credentials is slightly different to a traditional approach, isn't it? Can you tell us more about that? Yeah, absolutely. Without going into sort of the technical nitty-gritty of it, it is it's decentralized, I guess. So there's no cloud storage involved. One of the one of the kind of the key points when Mikey was created is there are lots of password managers out there that leverage cloud storage and the concept of a master password that you probably use to decrypt the vault. And that means you can have the passwords on multiple devices because they live in the cloud. They live in a data center somewhere else in the world. Um, Mikey is slightly different to that in that the passwords live on your devices and only your devices. So if you've got, I'm thinking, let's say the personal level because it's a little bit easier to explain. If you've got an iPad, uh, a phone, and a laptop, your passwords exist only on those devices and are synchronized between the three. So what would happen if one of those devices were offline? We do leverage a relay in the cloud. So, for example, if you change a password on your PC, the next time you turn your iPad on, that will get look to the cloud, has anything changed, and then send the password down, all totally encrypted. But we don't store the passwords beyond that. So there's no there's no way anyone can kind of hack into the Mikey servers and get access to the passwords because they don't exist. They're not on there. We don't know where they are. They only exist locally on your own devices, which is, which is quite unique. It also presents challenges for us as an organization in that the way that it's architectured 
and we've got some great white papers and things that we can share if people want more info about how it works. But it is probably more challenging to develop a product this way than it is to just leverage um, cloud storage because it makes it because it's a lot more difficult to do. But I think that our founders Antoine and Priscilla they kind of came to this with with a different sort of privacy first approach and kind of said we want to do it and make it more secure than the other password managers on the market. I mean there are there are some yeah. password managers which are completely offline. Um, which are probably super secure, but not very convenient. There are password managers which are fully online, which are probably super convenient, but have probably got less security. And then Mikey kind of sits in the middle, which is kind of a hybrid of the two. So we like to think that it's it's probably one of the most secure ways that you can secure your passwords and credentials while still sharing them across devices. Yeah, I can absolutely see that. And we're already getting questions around this. We are live today. So if you've got any questions at all for Chris on managed services, um, uh, cybersecurity, business relationships, anything, I can tell you Chris is an expert, can answer all of these questions, get them in on the chat box, and I will make sure to pause to ask the questions. One of the questions we're getting in already, though, is around which platforms Mikey is uh, available for. So can you give us a, a roll call of the platforms? Windows, obviously, presumably. Yeah, that's a great question. Yeah, no, we don't do Windows. We, we've decided to give that one a miss. No, um, yeah, Windows, obviously, um, and Mac OS on the desktop and Linux on the desktop for those uh, people that run Linux as a desktop. Um, we support those. Um, on mobile, it is um, iOS and Android, and obviously the same for sort of iPads. And then browser for browsers with um, Safari, um, all of the Chromium-based browsers, and Firefox. So we're pretty, we've got pretty much all of the browsers covered. So Chrome and I guess Edge, which is, I know is sort of super popular in the MSP community. So I use Edge uh, daily and yeah, we fully support uh, Chromium based Edge. Yeah. Let's talk a little bit more about passwords uh, for a minute and let's address the elephant in the room here. You and I both know in danger of alienating a large proportion of the audience here, but we're going to go there and do it anyway. You and I both know that there's at least 25% of the people watching today who are practicing really weak password um, um, practices that have either got really weak passwords or they're using the same password for, for multiple uh, websites and devices and things like that. Without preaching, you know, you've been in this industry uh, for a long time. You've got lots of experience. The experience you picked up working with MSPs all around the world with Mikey. What would you say to somebody who's watching today who's using a weak password or no password manager or any of those bad practices that we know are going to cause problems? Yeah, um, and I absolutely, you, you, I'm sure you're right on people that do that. Um, I can understand why, and it's because passwords are um, difficult to remember. It's a clunky system. I mean, in an ideal world, we won't have passwords, right? I guess we're in this transition now. I'll give it 10 years, and there'll probably be a thing of the past, touch wood. But um, passwords where we are now, and any password manager and any kind of security solution, I always see as a trade-off between convenience and security. Having any password is less convenient than having no password. Having different passwords for different sites is probably marginally less convenient than having kind of one password that you use for everything. And having a password manager is, again, probably slightly less convenient than having one password that you that you know. But I think the reason for them, and I, and I would say it's probably the almost the simple, 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 simplest thing that you can do to help protect your clients is to ensure that the people use unique passwords for every application and service. 
And the reason for this is you're only as secure as your weakest password. That's why I was putting it, or the weakest application. So you, let's say, for example, you create a password which is super secure and it's like 30 characters, but you use it for everything that you go on. And so you use it for your LinkedIn. A lot of people do that and log in with their company email address for LinkedIn. They may also use it for the Facebook. It may be quite strong and they may be use it for a lot of these sites that aren't you know, routinely breached. But then they also use it for an app that they download, Flappy Birds or something like this off the App Store, which is just an app that says, can you register, give us a password? What will happen is then they give the, put the same password into that app and then it's somewhere else. All it takes is one of those applications and you may... You know, I think the average person now has probably got like 150 apps or services that they use overall in terms of on the mobile, on the desktop, work, home. One of those gets compromised. Then that password then gets stopped, sold to the dark web or add to the dark web. And it becomes quite valuable because what people then start to do is use it as something called credential stuffing, where they take your username or variations of your username, your email address, your company email address, and, and just use that one password and variants of that password against every major, major site they can think of. So, for example, if you've got a mobile phone with, I'm just using this as an example, Vodafone. Vodafone may never have been breached, but if, you, if your password is the same on the breached application that you use with Vodafone, you go online, you will see your password is for sale in terms of as a part of a Vodafone breach. So you can prevent all of that really simply by ensuring that you never, ever have the same password on more than one application. Um, that's where a password manager comes in, I guess, because it's, it's with the amount of passwords we've got, to re, it's impossible to remember them. So I guess the password manager is kind of the way to enable people to use unique passwords. Yeah. And I know you would give a shout out for some of the, the work that Mikey does for the community at large. And this is free tools that you make available to anyone else. I know that you've got a password generator. Uh, you've also got um, a tool to check to see whether your uh, email address has been hacked in any breaches. Remind me where we can go to to see those tools, to get those tools. Yeah, well, a great starting point is Mikey, as I mentioned at the start, was a consumer product at heart. And it still is available as a consumer product completely free of charge. So there are no limitations. You can download it for your laptop, for your mobile phone, for your tablet, and synchronize your own passwords across them. It will give you security data. It will tell you if your password has been part of a major breach. And you can use it for all of your personal passwords. That's how I got into Mikey, really. I used Mikey as a consumer before I joined the company. And so I've used Mikey with all of my passwords. All of my TFAs are stored in there. And so if I go onto my personal Twitter, my personal Facebook, my energy supplier, I use Mikey for everything to automatically fill in the credentials. So I don't know what they are. They're unique for every application and service. But it's completely free. And it's, it's always going to be completely free and secure. So when I joined Mikey, all that happened was I got added to the Mikey organization. So now I see the Mikey passwords, but in a separate vault, I see all my own personal passwords. They're, they're completely separate. So if the day ever comes that I you know, finally get caught out and escorted out of Mikey, um, kind of, um, you know, for uh, spending too much on expenses for people buying people drinks at the bar or whatever, for whatever reason, whatever reason I leave Mikey, then uh, I they will just, re I will lose access to the Mikey vault, but the personal vault will come with me. It's completely separate and standalone. So I'd say a great starting point, if you're not using a password manager currently, is use one firstly and Mikey have got one which is completely free for consumers and it's a great way to learn the technology then to see I guess the old eat your own dog food adage to then work out this might work for our MSP 
what the MSP product does is effectively it's the same product, but it adds on the multi-tenancy and the management to allow the MSP to manage multiple customers. But it, at its heart, which is the password TFA identity manager, you can use it completely free just by going to Mikey.com and downloading it and getting going. And I absolutely recommend that you do, uh, people do that if they've not currently got a password manager. Brilliant. Brilliant. And we'll include all the links uh, that we talk about in the show notes and we'll uh, we'll include them below. And of course, we'll have the replay of this that goes out uh, both on YouTube, on LinkedIn, all of the other platforms and on uh, on the podcast. So podcast subscribers, you will be getting this episode very, very shortly. Something uh, you just touched upon there. So obviously, Mike is a tool that is hugely popular in the MSP space. Um, but it's also available for teams. It's also available for end users. Now, you and I both former MSPs. We know, and everybody watching this knows, how difficult it can be to get end users to actually adopt these tools. So what do Mikey do in terms of making it easy for managed service providers to deploy these tools to multiple client sites? Yeah, I guess that's two questions, right? In terms of deployment, we make it as easy as possible. We've got tools to help you to deploy to the end users um, and we can sort of help with the onboarding. In fact, it's something that we would always recommend that we do because obviously it's like any of these tools, the better the onboarding, the higher the adoption rate. Um, When it comes to end user adoption, which is the kind of users within the SMB business that the MSP is supporting, um, again, we provide tools, videos to help them do that. Um, it's gamified to a certain extent, which can always help. So when people start to use it, we can say, "This we don't see the passwords, but this user's got 10 passwords in, this other user's only got two passwords in, you know, get, get your finger out kind of thing. We can also tell by looking at the metadata rather than the passwords, this user's got a high security score and this user's got a low security score, and then maybe try and generate reports to go back when you're doing your QBR or something with your client of saying, well, you know, this user is, got, is, is really sort of doing an amazing job using Mikey and this one not so good. So, yeah, and, I also, and it's also, I guess, it's necessity, right? So if you, if for example, we're starting, the SMB is going to share passwords like social media for their Twitter account or LinkedIn account, we can, they'll say to them, well, it's only available within Mikey. We're not going to give it to you separately. You don't know what the password is. So people gradually sort of gravitate towards the application through necessity. And just to go back to the other point, I'd also say that it's the personal use that's probably the, the real game changer here because if a user starts to use it for home and starts to see the benefit of it, then it becomes so natural to use it for work. So I think that when almost when positioning Mikey to MSPs, what I always say is when speaking to your customers, don't just say we're going to protect your company, your personal passwords, sorry, your company passwords, we'll also protect your personal passwords. And again, that will help with the situation where I'm sure people use the same for both, which I guess is kind of really, is really damaging. Hey there, Richard here. Forgive the quick interruption, but since we recorded this episode, we've had a lot of you ask for more details about Guard by Mikey. So I spoke with Antoine, the CEO at Mikey, and they've kindly extended TubTalk listeners a very special offer. If you visit tub.co forward slash guard and sign up, then you'll receive a 10% discount on Guard for an entire year, plus a webinar conducted by Mikey for your clients to introduce them to the Guard solution. So you'll be getting a great price for Guard, plus Mikey will collaborate with you 
to deliver the right education to your clients. That's a real value add. Full disclosure, I get rewarded by Mikey for anyone who signs up via this link. But hey, you win, I win, we both win, right? Antoine and Mikey have assured me that this is the best deal you'll find for Guard by Mikey anywhere on the internet. So get yourself over to tub.co forward slash guard for all the goodies. That's tub.co forward slash guard for a 10% discount for a year and a custom webinar for your clients. Question for the audience now. Let us know in the comments if you are using a password manager now. I know we've got a, a large number of people joining us live today. Some of you are MSPs, some of you are value-added resellers, and some of you don't work in the IT industry at all. Uh, you are all welcome, but I'm intrigued to see which password management tools you're using. So get involved in the chat and let us know now. Of course, I'll give you a shout-out as well. Yep. Um, we've got questions uh, coming in. Uh, so we've got a question here from Robert. He says, specifically around the MyKey uh, tool here, he says, what happens if you lose a device, say your smartphone, and someone else manages to gain access to the smartphone? Will they then have access to your passwords? So good question. Um, how, would you, how would you answer that? How does it work in technical perspective? Um, in, it can be configured in slightly different ways, I guess. But, I mean, firstly, if you lose your phone, you can remove, you can delete access to the vault. So the next time it checks in, so the next time it does go online, um, it, the access will be revoked. So people, you're no longer able to see any content on there. Any content in there, including backup files and things, which is important if you're talking about losing things, they're fully encrypted. They can only be decrypted with the key, which is unique to that user's sort of mobile phone number, which is where the decryption, uh, the encryption key lives. Um, if someone gets access to your phone, they would then need to unlock the phone. I guess that's the first thing, which is no mean feat. But assuming that they're able to do that, then they would need to unlock the MyKey app on the phone or the tablet, which would be usually, th usually via a um, six-digit PIN or biometrics on the phone. So they've got you know quite a challenge to get through both of those stages before they get access to the device. Um, but as I say, even if they're able to do all of that, the minute that device comes online, all of the passwords can be removed from the device anyway. That makes sense. Um, just looking at the comments here, we've got people saying they use. Um, some people have been very honest. I won't give you a shout out saying they don't use password managers. And so this is probably a little bit of an eye opener for them. We've got other people saying they use LastPass which I know is, uh, is very popular in the consumer space. A couple of people saying they use KeyPass, which I know is an open source one. So, yeah, you know, if you're using a password manager, more power to you. If you're an MSP watching this, I would encourage you to check out the Mikey solution there because it is specifically built for MSPs and, as Chris said, easier uh, to manage as well. I see... Chris, I don't, you know, you must see this more than I when you go out there and I was going to call it competitive situations, but it's not really. But the tools that MSPs are using to manage passwords uh, on the whole um, are perhaps not really fit for purpose or they're consumer tools that they're sort of bending into shape for, for the MSP space. Is that something you experience? Yeah, I mean, I guess just to take a step back slightly, you mentioned the sort of competitive tools that people are using. I always say that, um, this is probably why I'm not a very good salesperson, by the way. But I always say that our competition is not having a password manager. It's not another password manager. So, uh, you know, if you've ch if you've chosen a password manager and you're happy with using that, then that's fine. You know, I, I think that that's that's a really key thing to get away. Our, our competition is no password manager, and it's trying to educate MSPs and end users and SMBs that they should be using a password manager of some description. And it's moved on, right? If you if you remember back in the day when, so I mentioned earlier, we 
We had Handog, which was our RMM platform at the time, which now lives on as Enable RMM through uh, almost unbelievable amount of name changes. But then we've also got the PSA, which we were Autotask PSA, which is amazing. We're still called Autotask PSA. Um, we would store passwords in the PSA, and that was probably almost yeah. the best solution that we had available at the time. Um, but things have moved on, right? I mean, the PSA isn't, with the best will in the world, isn't the best place to be storing these passwords. And then we probably used Excel or we used different, whatever we use, different tools. So I think it's just a matter of sort of moving on with the times and thinking, well, you know, we're seeing a lot in the news about MSPs being targets. And this is something, and I hate scaremongering. I think it's, it's probably the worst way to sell our product or any product. But we're starting to see in the community that MSPs, I've got kind of big targets on their back now because the bad guys, the you know, rather than trying to hack into a hundred small businesses, which is quite a time-consuming process, if they can get into the MSP and then find the passwords somehow, then they've they've got the key to a hundred SMB businesses straight away. So MSPs need to kind of hold themselves to a, almost a higher standard than than most other businesses. So I would say a password manager for an MSP is super important, and I'd say that's why if you. If you're not using one as an MSP, then I'd recommend that you would. If you're using currently something like a PSA to store a password, to store passwords, or maybe a SharePoint thing that you developed yourself, which we see a lot of, maybe it's maybe time to look to see if there's a better solution and then maybe look at a password manager. Yeah. Now, you mentioned it there, you know, over the past 12 months and more, but certainly over the past 12 months, MSPs have been targeted by cyber criminals. Um, we've seen a lot of MSPs. I know from the Tech Tribe and other communities that I'm a part of, a lot of sleepless nights for MSPs who've been targeted by these cyber criminals. For the reasons that you mentioned, you know, you gain access to the MSP, you've got the keys to the kingdom, you can gain access to hundreds, if not thousands, of endpoints uh, out there. So, sort of scary times. We've talked about password security. I would say at this point, that's a given. Strong passwords, password manager is a must for an MSP. But of course, anybody who knows uh, even a little bit about cybersecurity is watching us today. We'll be talking about multi-factor authentication, MFA, two-factor authentication, that type of thing. Now, I know Mikey have got a solution in place for uh, for 2FA, for MFA as well. Can you tell us a little bit more about how that works in conjunction with the passwords? Yeah, it's I guess it's, it's predominantly around the kind of storing and, and sharing of them. So for my personal accounts, as I mentioned, Twitter, I mean, Again, another takeaway, if anyone's got any social media applications that they're not using 2FA on, then I'd 100% recommend that you turn it on today. So that would be Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, everything that you use should really have 2FA on. And what Mike makes that is really simple. So if I go to Facebook on my laptop and I log on, um, it will basically I need to authenticate into the Mikey app, which I'll enter with a PIN or biometrics, and then what will happen is it will insert the password automatically, it will insert the 2FA. So that's great from a consumer point of view. It makes that a lot simpler. But from a business point of view, from an MSP-specific point of view, what's cool about 2FA is the fact that you can share them as well as the passwords. So I'm sure we've all had situations where you've got an Office 365 admin username that you've got with a password which has got 2FA enabled, which I think it which has to have. It's mandatory, right? So it may be a text message notification or something. But where does that go? You know, it, you may have one phone in the office that has to get the 2FA codes and then someone shouts it out or passes you the phone. I've seen lots of MSPs do this. Um, but then, unfortunately, kind of 18 months ago, everyone had to go and work at home. And you think, then what are they going to do? Because they've not, they're not all in the same place. They've not got access to the same mobile phone. Uh, I saw people set up really elaborate 
text to email systems and all kinds of things so that when they try to log into Office 365, it would get a text, the text would get sent to the all support email group and people would do it. And it's just so messy. So with Mikey, what you can do is you can share the 2FA as long as the password. So anyone in the support team, once they've authenticated to the Mikey app, and more importantly, once you as the administrator have given them access to that password in 2FA, if they log on to Office 365, it will autofill their credentials for them, no longer having to sort of shout across the office and do all that kind of stuff. So you're getting the benefits of 2FA, you get um, of 2FA and multi-factor authentication, um, but you've not got the downside of trying to work out where that second factor is going to. So I'd say from an MSP perspective, uh, this is probably more so than the end user perspective, but from an MSP perspective, the sharing of the 2FA is probably one of the biggest selling points for Mike because it really helps make MSP's life a lot easier. Yeah. And again, for everybody watching uh, here live, let us know in the comments if you're using 2FA, multi-factor authentication at the moment. I presume for most of the MSPs that watching are, but you may have experienced the challenges that Chris talked about. Let us know in the chat what tools that you are uh, using to manage that at the moment. But I think the, the Mikey uh, MFA solution there makes a lot of sense um, uh, given uh, people are working for remote locations and all the challenges that go along with that. I should have asked you before we came on air, Chris. I'm going to do it anyway because it's just you and me, right? Um, are we allowed to talk about Mikey Guard? Yes, we are indeed. That was an awkward moment yes. if you'd have said no, wouldn't he? It? It's like, yeah, cut the feed, cut the feed. So a few weeks ago, uh, we rolled out here in Team Tub uh, Mikey Guard. Um, Chris, tell us what Mikey Guard is and how it's sort of the next evolution of some of the cybersecurity tools that we've talked about. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm glad you're sort of trialing it. Um, we call it Guard by Mikey. And I've got, I've got to say that, otherwise I'll be told off by the, the marketing team. So Guard by Mikey is it's a browser hardening platform or a browser security solution. We, we're kind of, it's, it's new, right? This, it's a new product that's launched uh, pretty recently. I know that you and your team have been playing with it, which is great. We've had some great feedback from it. Um, but basically, it's all-in-one browser hardening. I guess that's what we would prefer it as. It's almost one of the terms that we kind of we started to look at what it does and the functionality and kind of thought it's almost like an RMM for browsers because it does some stuff which RMMs can do but currently isn't being addressed. And basically, it's, I guess as its core, it is a platform that allows you, the MSP, because this is exclusively for MSPs, to manage your customers' browsers in terms of security within those browsers. So let's say, for example, ad blocker. You may have a customer that wants to install an ad blocker within their browser. Um, you can do that individually. You can go and say, well, I want to install this ad blocker. The user can then remove that ad blocker, um, that, that kind of thing. And it's, all, it's a time-consuming task. What Guard will let you do is install the ad blocker and across all of your users, customers, all of their browsers, along with other modules. So you may say, I want to run a phishing detection module. I want to look at a download module. I want to look at a pop-up blocker. I don't want people to have pop-ups. Um, and you can deploy that at scale and create policies to say that um, we've got different levels within the organization. So maybe support staff have got access to probably having got the pop-up blocker on because you know we work in a, a world where lots of pop-ups are quite legitimate. But I guess sort of regular users probably don't. And it, But the, the cool thing about Guard is it allows you to centralize and do all of that from one console and then generate reports. So what you can do is go to your customers and say, this month we blocked 10,000 ads or 15,000 um, pop-ups or trackers and things from your client 
fully brandable reports that you can give to your customer. Um, a, a great use case for this is something that came up fairly recently, which uh, never occurred to me until I kind of thought about it a little, was there was a, I can't remember the name of it now, actually, but there was a, a, a an extension, a browser extension that went rogue. It was a, um, it was a great little browser extension, which um, put sleeping, put tabs to sleep in Chrome if you weren't using them. I think that it's behavior that's built into Edge now by default, but at the time it wasn't. So Chrome's quite memory hungry. So someone created an app which puts these tabs to sleep to save memory when they're not being used. It was a great idea and it was a perfectly legitimate app, but what it did is it got sold. And as it got sold, the new developers kind of acquired it with malicious intentions and started to use it to install trackers, uh, keyword, key bloggers, all this kind of stuff with inside the app, which kind of is, is not good news at all. But then I started to think, how would the MSP know which users had this particular extension installed in their browsers? And with Guard, it's really easy. You can just go to create a run a report uh, across all of your users, all of your clients, all of your managed customers, and say which user has got this extension installed because it's now a security breach. And then within a click of a button, you can get a report and then block those extensions. So it's kind of helping you be a little bit more proactive with the user. But what it also does, a second part of the, I guess, the, the, the arsenal of it is it tries to educate users. We're always being told, and I've sat on so many vendor webinars. In fact, I've done vendor webinars where we're saying that um, human is the weak link in cybersecurity. We talk about kind of humans doing things wrong or whatever. And we've we, we spoken about it today with passwords. But what God does is tries to educate users with timely information. So if a user is on the website and they start to enter a credit card number, it will say, a pop-up will come on and say, do you really want to be entering a credit card number here? If they go onto a site which has got HTTP, but no HTTPS, it can say, hang on, do you really want to be going to this site? If it goes to a site which looks like it's Office 365 but isn't, it will then flag up to say, you know, this isn't Office 365. This is a phishing site um, because, obviously, it's designed to look exactly like an Office 365 account, but it isn't. If they enter a password, a little bit like the password managers us, if they enter a password that we have seen um, elsewhere being used, it will say this password's been part of sort of several different breaches. So all in all, there's probably about a dozen modules and more coming all of the time that you can sort of deploy on a kind of global and say we'll push them all out to every user or on a kind of module by module basis to all of the clients. And I think it's a great way to, even simple things, I mean, I guess everyone maybe should be using a pop-up blocker and a tracker blocker. Um, so it's probably a great way for you as the MSP to take control of that conversation. Don't let the end users go and find their own. So well, we will as part of our package and we do, um, via RMM, we'll push out this uh, guard by Mikey to everyone, every desktop in the organization and laptop, and then it installs across all browsers. So it's all Chromium browsers and Firefox. So the minute they launch their browser, they've got extra protection and they can see the icon, what um, what it's doing. So how many pop-ups it's blocked, how many extensions it's blocked. And if a user really wants to get around that, they can pause the blocker if they want to. But again, this is within the MSP control. You might say, well, I don't want users to be able to pause the ad blocker, so you can disable the pause button. So yeah, I think it's just it's a great extra level of security for MSPs. It's a pretty low cost product. Yeah. So what we find in most MSPs currently are doing is they're kind of bundling it in rather than trying to have a conversation with the customers and they're going to sell you an ad blocker, is almost bundling it into their support offering to try and just help keep them a little bit more secure. And then the brandable reports 
again, is something that helps the MSP at QBR time to be able to go and say, well, you know, look what's happened behind the scenes this quarter or something with this in background. So, yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a brand new product for us. We're really excited about it. Um, we've got um, quite a few customers trialing it. We've got quite a few that have deployed it to end users. And, um, yeah, and obviously you've done it with your team as well. So, yeah, any feedback gratefully received. Yeah, and again, thank you for for Antoine and yourself onboarding us with Guard by Mikey. See, I'm on board with the uh, the marketing team there. Uh, the thing I really like about the tool, well, there's a couple of things that I really like about the tool. But the first one is, um, you know, cyber criminals thrive on the fact that we rush through and we just do things based on um, you know habitual patterns. Um, you see something come through, you click on it, and you try and get through as quickly as possible. And I think this is how cyber criminals thrive. You know, they're they're um, uh, looking to what we do habitually. What Guard does is sort of just provide that little bit of a buffer and say, oh, just before you click there, is this, you know, is this on the up and up? Is it not? You know, you talked about the credit cards and the other bits and pieces. So that's the first thing that I think I really liked about it, having used it within our team. The second thing, if I was to run an MSP again today, and I get on my soapbox about this, Chris, you probably heard me uh, do this. I would be looking for as many different ways as possible to lower our cost of support, reduce the number of support tickets that are coming through. And I think the way the product is priced makes it real simple uh, for MSPs to say, actually, we're going to bundle that as part of our services, knowing that we're going to save a heck of a lot more money in tickets that are not being generated for people clicking on things that they shouldn't do than we would um, trying to upsell this to a client. So, you know, that's my uh, view on things, but MSPs lowering your cost of support, increasing your revenue. It's uh, it's not all uh, about how you can make more money selling at all. Sometimes it's about how you can save money. So just my two penneth on that. We've got some interesting feedback coming in. So I asked earlier the live audience whether you're using 2FA, MFA tools at the moment. We've got people who are using, obviously, Google Authenticator. We've got people saying they use uh, Authy. So intriguing. I think there's a real um, sort of uh, shout, um, a real um, space in the market here for what um, uh, what Mikey are doing with the uh, the MFA tool. Good, interesting question here I'll share with you, Chris. We'd like to put you on the spot. So MFA, uh, as an MSP, we're used to using technology to help us be more secure. End users who are technophobic see MFA as an additional hurdle that they don't want. Some MFAs are clunky. How easy is Mikey to use? Do you have any tutorials available? And that was a question from Rob. Yeah, we've got um, we've got videos and things available, which I'll, I can share the links with you, Richard, afterwards. Um, so you can kind of push out to, to show how easy it is for end users to use. But And I 100% agree. 2FA can be quite difficult and clunky to use, and I guess it's different for different applications. Um, but, yeah, what Mikey does, a little bit like the password things, it does try and simplify it. So as I mentioned before, at the consumer level, if I go to my um, electricity supplier or something uh, and I go on either the website or on my phone, uh, the minute I go to that website, it will prompt me for the password. Um, the passwords aren't stored in the browser with Mikey, so as opposed to, like, using... Um, Chrome passwords or something. It'll prompt me for the password. I'll authenticate using, again, the PIN number or biometrics or however I want to do it. And it will then fill in for me the username and password. And the cool, the extra benefit of that, talking about phishing protection, is it will only do that if it's the legitimate site. So if it's a site that's designed to look like my energy supplier but isn't, 
it won't fill the passwords in. So you'll immediately know, hang on, something's a bit sus here. It's not asking me, it's not auto-filling credentials. But then what it will do is it will auto-fill the username and password, and then it will auto-fill the 2FA. So you don't need to do anything. It will sometimes pop up on the the pop-up to say the 2FA is this number, but you don't need to copy and paste it. You don't need to type it in. It will just automatically get filled in for the application. So it's a really cool way, actually, of saying to end users that um, you're using the TFA, but you don't need to kind of go jump through all these hoops of waiting for text messages and things. But but I would, you know, again, it's a, it's a really interesting question that came in because it's a battle that we're going to have going forward, right? And I have it with friends, I have it with parents, I have it with everyone that say, you know, I know we should be doing this 2FA. I know I should use long passwords. I know people are getting hacked, but I'm still going to carry on doing it because it just seems more trouble doing it the other way. And I think that that's where we've all got the the kind of challenge in front of us are just trying to educate people. And it, it will come in time, but we've got to try and educate people that becoming sort of secure on the internet is so important that people start to need start to take these um, turf A seriously. And I guess do the thing that's going to happen for the real, I guess for the real change is when all these applications make it mandatory. Because I think, I guess Facebook at the minute, it's not mandatory, although you know, you hear them saying they recommend you do it and they're kind of prompted to do it every now and again. You don't have to put 2FA on. I think that, but you, then you, you see all the accounts getting hacked and you think, well, if, if all of a sudden Facebook said, well, it's now mandatory 2FA, it would solve a lot of problems, I guess. Yeah, absolutely. Um, shout out for everybody who's joining us on YouTube. We've got lots of conversation going on over on LinkedIn and Twitter, uh, f- uh, people on Facebook as well. Thank you, everybody, for joining us live. If you've got any questions at all for Chris, talking about cybersecurity, managed services, business growth, any other subjects, get them in. I'll make sure to ask Chris questions. But while we're on the subject of community, Chris, I want to change tact a little bit here. And I alluded to it right in your introduction. Uh, you're a longtime supporter of Com- Comptia. Uh, you and I, in fact, will see each other um, next week at the Comptia EMEA conference in uh, London. So looking forward to that. But for anybody who's not familiar with Comptia or indeed the MSP community as a whole, how would you describe what to expect? Because I, I can tell you for a fact, there's going to be people watching this and they're like, what? There's an MSP community. MSPs talking to one another. Tell us more about your experience with Comptia and the MSP community. Wow. Okay. Well, firstly, I'm, I'm really glad that we've gone off the, it was veering quite technical. So I was wondering if you're going to ask me more technical <laughs> questions. So yeah, I'm back on, I'm back on safe ground now, which is, which is great. Um, CompTIA and let's start with CompTIA, I guess. I, I met, if I look, I, stay, I went through an exercise um, a little while ago, whereas I started to look through some of the main contacts that I've got on LinkedIn and some of those that are now sort of transitioned to Facebook. So I guess the ones that have gone from business acquaintances to personal friends. And I can draw a line back to quite a lot of those from CompTIA. So I guess that's that's one sort of endorsement I'll say that I've, I've got relationships with Com, from, from CompTIA that are kind of, have gone out of the MSP community into the real world, I guess, in terms of it's a great way for to meet people, like-minded individuals that are going through the same challenges. But the number one thing that I noticed of CompTIA, and this is what astounds people that aren't from the MSP community, is how open people are and how willing people are to talk about their business, what they're doing, what they could do differently, what they're using. It's, it's almost unheard of, as far as I know, in other other industries in terms of it could even be a competitor in the local vicinity. It doesn't seem to matter. 
And what happens is people get together, they talk about it, and they will have conversations a little bit like we've had today. And they will say, well, what are you using for this? What are you using for that? I've just trialed this. I'm unhappy with that. Talking about the products and services that they're using within their MSP. And it is so open. The, the conversations that people have, I've known that people have learned from it. I know that people have merged businesses to do They've done informal you know, one may be in Scotland and one may be in the south of England. Well, you know, I can offload some work to you and you can do this work, all this kind of thing. It's an amazing community of people that are really, really wanting to all achieve the same thing, right, which is protect their end user clients and grow their businesses. And I'd say that without things like CompTIA, I think their whole industry will be a little bit further back. And there are a whole, we're talking about this before we came on air, there's a whole bunch of other communities um, like the Tech Tribe, Tech Tribe community, CompTIA, um, and all different ones all around the world that try and bring together MSPs. Some are vendor-specific, so some vendors run sort of user groups and panels and things, which are, again, great, and some completely vendor-independent like CompTIA, which are, you know, anyone can go non-commercial. But I would 100% recommend that if you've got the opportunity to attend a CompTIA meeting, whether that be the regional meetings that happen like three times a year, or the channel community meeting, the main one, which is in London next week, which is once a year, I would wholeheartedly recommend we do. And, you know, it's something, again, that we've missed massively. I know CompTIA have done a great job during the the kind of lockdown periods of trying to do these virtually. The EMEA conference last year was virtual. The community meetings were all virtual. It's not the same. So I'm so excited to get to London next week to kind of see people again for the first time since kind of, I think it was probably the beginning of November, sort of 2019, which is the last EMEA conference, which was a week after the aforementioned Datocon. And um, so I think it's, it's going to be so long that people have been out. I think everyone's kind of really itching to get back together, to start having these in conversations in person, over a drink. It just makes it so much better to do that. And it's also, the, the community is a great way, I think, to find new products. So the good thing about this CompTIA conference, it's the only one, the EMEA conference is the only one where vendors kind of come up and sort of pitch their wares, I guess, at a, at a stand. But it's a great way to go around and just see, see what else is out there and look at the new products. With my MSP business, I grew um, by looking at new products and seeing what was out there and trying to keep on top of it. There's a great example of that. You know, we, we signed up with Autotask, went to an Autotask conference, and that's where I met Datto. And Datto changed my business and ultimately changed my entire career path so i think going to these events having and speaking to people engaging i guess that's that's one of the key things i would say if you're going to go to them um and you know engage everyone everyone's going to want to speak to you i know some people are kind of little anxious and nervous about speaking to other people everyone's been in that position right everyone's in the same boat but i i can't think of a more friendly community to just go and start chatting to someone over their the dinners at the comp tier events or there's networking and then there's the bar afterwards which is always a great part to sort of chat to people so yeah comte has been a huge part of my journey in the msb community in fact i looking back i just don't know where we would be now um, in the msb community in the uk if it wasn't for comte because a lot of the people i rely on and speak to day to day i kind of met them all through comte and it's it's almost impossible to imagine a world that i didn't know those people 
Yeah, couldn't agree more with what you said. We are absolutely blessed to have Comte looking after us. And I know we've got a global audience today. We're talking a little bit about the UK community because we're so excited about getting out there and uh, and, and seeing people in person. But Comte have got a presence all over the world. There's a community in the Benelux for Europe. Uh, there is um, community groups around the USA, Australia, other places as well. Other user groups out there, the bottom line is if you are watching this and have never got involved in any of the managed service provider community or IT community, you know, this is not um, its not a scam. It's not a hoax. There are good people out there, and our industry is unlike so many others that people will want to work together. A rising tide lifts all boats. So excited to get out there and uh, look forward to seeing you in person in a, in a week or so's time as well, Chris. We're coming towards the end of our time. We've got, if you've got any burning questions for Chris, now is the time to get them in uh, for, uh, for, for me to ask of Chris. We've got a question here from Tully. Tully says, Chris, having worked as an MSP and then moved into vendor land, what was the biggest preconception about vendors that you had that changed? Wow. <laughs> that, that is an good amazing question. question. Um, yeah, that is really good. Um, I, I honestly think, and this this is um, – yeah, I genuinely think this is – let me let me let me look at a use case. So I've got a use case example now. This is billing, right? Everyone hates MSPs, bills and invoices for MSPs because they're not usually good. They've usually got through acquisitions and mergers, probably got five or six different billing systems. They're trying to get it together, and they're sending bills out to MSPs, which aren't the best. They're not the easiest to read, the easiest to consume. From an MSP point of view, I would always think this vendor doesn't. This vendor doesn't care. This day, they're not interested. They're just throwing these bills out to us, and they, they, you know the letters spend hours trying to reconcile them. I can one hundred percent tell you that from an MSP point of view, MSP land. From a sorry, from a vendor point of view, that is absolutely not the case. They are desperate to get the right bills out to you. They are desperate to make these systems work together. It's just sometimes it's difficult for them to do, and it takes time to merge all these systems. And so I say that you know. I always look at it with a slightly different um, view now that when I hear people, I see people talking about vendors online saying, well, the invoices are wrong or the support's not right or whatever it is, I'll say, well, you know, reach out to your account manager, speak to them and just sort of raise these concerns because I know that they'll be trying their best. So I think that there was always a perception that I thought that vendors didn't care about MSPs or they weren't kind of concerned about MSPs, but I can... I've only worked at two vendors, but at both of the vendors that I've worked at, I can tell you that is absolutely not the case. They are, you know, absolutely focused on wanting MSPs to be successful. Sometimes things go wrong. I guess sometimes it doesn't always come across that way. But I'd say that's probably my biggest um, thing that I've learned as in moving to a vendor from an MSP is that they're as invested in this as you are. I mean, and a great example of this is with Mikey, right, taking it back to Mikey. If, if you're not happy with the Mikey service for the product not working or the billing not working or whatever it may be, not that these things happen, obviously, but if that is the case, then you'll stop selling Mikey products and that relationship then comes to an end. And our success is 100% focused and reliant on the success of MSPs. And that's the same for all of the vendors. So while sometimes it seems they're not interested or they may be a little bit less interested than you would want them to be, I'm sure that they are actually really sort of focused on trying to do their best to help you. 
Agreed. And I think one of the things that, uh, uh, you know, I would share to anybody who is um, maybe not having the relationship with their vendor partners that they think they could, they maybe could have, reach out to them, have a conversation, because my experience has been exactly the same as Chris's, and that is the vendors want to do their absolute best. They're not out to, to screw you over or to win at the result of your business. They really want your business to grow so that their business can grow, so that your business can grow, and so on there. So uh, thank you. Great question uh, coming in there. And we were talking in glowing terms, weren't we, about the MSP community as a whole. I'm going to encourage you, Chris, after this. I know you've not got it up now. Go and check out the um, you know the uh, LinkedIn comments and the Twitter comments, YouTube and that, because there's a lot of people having conversations here and helping one another out. So Ben was saying, you know, Robert was asking that question about how can, to, can we be more secure. Ben said, um, I've been using Mikey for the last few years and love it. Uh, we weren't selling it to customers, just internal, but they were one of the first to solve the shared MFA issue we needed for engineering access to customers' M th Microsoft 365 tenants. Be sure to have it set up on at least two devices since it syncs between your devices and is not backed up to the cloud very sensibly. So great example there of Mikey, um, a customer, helping another MSP out with a solution to a problem. So love that. Thank you all for participating today. Chris, we're coming to the end of our time. Um, when I'm having a conversation with you, obviously we caught up a couple of weeks ago in Nottingham. We went out to an ice hockey match. You introduced me to my first ever ice hockey match, and it was brilliant. So uh, it's been a long time since we're catching up, but catching up with you always feels like just having a conversation with a friend. And of course, I consider you the friend. Yeah, it was great, and I really enjoyed the time in Nottingham. And and we booked the uh, the ice hockey match as a as a uh, I guess something to do maybe. In the afternoon to take us away from the pub for a couple of hours, and um, I, I had no idea that you were going to become this sort of uber ice hockey fan on day one. I've never you're the most excited person I think I've ever seen at a game. So yeah, it was uh, it was great to introduce you to the sport. I was so down with that. Honestly, it's my new number two sport. I told you I'm looking at the local ice hockey team here in Newcastle. Anyway, we're going wildly off tangent. I just wanted to say thank you for introducing me to uh, to ice hockey there. And uh, it, it's been an absolute blast speaking to you today, mate. Appreciate it. I know that you're really open about talking with MSPs. So if anybody watching today wants to continue the conversation with you or indeed find out a little bit more about Mikey, how can they contact you? Yeah, well, you can always contact me at uh, by email. It's ctate at mikey.com. Uh, I'm on LinkedIn. Just search for Chris Tate MSP. Twitter is totally MSP. And yeah, all over all of the socials. So I'd love to hear from anyone. I'm really, as soon as this is finished, I'm going to jump in and look at the comments. I know you probably should never do that in case people will be criticizing my uh, haircut or something. But let's, uh, so I'm going to go and look at the comments on social and try and engage. But as I say, I, I'm a huge fan of the community. And so please, please feel free to reach out. If I'm not already connected with you, I'd love to be, I'm sure. Marvellous. So that's all the time we've got for this episode of Tub Talk Live. I want to give a big shout out for Chris, obviously, for joining us. Really appreciate it. I want to say thank you to everybody else who's joined us live and the wonderful comments and just the community we've got going there. But a big shout out as well for our partners, the team at Fresh Productions, who made this episode and all of the Tub Talk Live absolutely possible. Ben and Neil has been working behind the scenes uh, on this show, and we really appreciate them. If you're in 
the technology business, if you run a technology company and you're looking for somebody to host a live stream or an in-person event, get in touch with Ben and the team at Fresh Productions. They really are the experts to help make your event great. So thanks again to our guest today, Chris Tate, for being with us. Really appreciate it. And, and for everybody at home for joining us. Thank you so much. We'll look forward to seeing you on the next episode of Tub Talk, the podcast for IT consultants. Cheers. Hey folks, Richard here. Thanks for listening today. I know you've got a ton of options for who you listen to nowadays, so I really appreciate your support. Do you have any feedback on this episode? Ideas for future guests? Tweet me at Tubblog using the hashtag TubTalk. I respond to every tweet and really appreciate your feedback. Hey there, Richard here. Forgive the quick interruption, but since we've recorded this episode, we've had a lot of you ask for more details about Guard by Mikey. So I spoke with Antoine, the CEO at Mikey, and they've kindly extended TubTalk listeners a very special offer. If you visit tub.co forward slash guard and sign up, then you'll receive a 10% discount on Guard for an entire year, plus a webinar conducted by Mikey for your clients to introduce them to the Guard solution. So you'll be getting a great price for Guard, plus Mikey will collaborate with you to to deliver the right education to your clients. That's a real value add. Full disclosure, I get rewarded by Mikey for anyone who signs up via this link, but hey, you win, I win, we both win, right? Antoine and Mikey have assured me that this is the best deal you'll find for Guard by Mikey anywhere on the internet. So get yourself over to tub.co forward slash guard for all the goodies. That's tub.co forward slash guard for a 10% discount for a year and a custom webinar for your clients. Hey team, this is Richard again. Just one more thing before you take off, and that is MSP Insights. Now, every Tuesday, I share my thoughts on the business of IT with you, the managed service community. Thousands of managed service providers already subscribe to MSP Insights. It's easy to sign up, easy to cancel. MSP Insights is basically a short email from me every Tuesday without fail with advice on growing your IT business, plus cool resources I found, discovered, or started exploring that week. It's kind of like my diary of cool things and often includes articles or books I've read, tools I've discovered and events I think you'd be interested in, often sent to me by my friends and Tub Talk podcast guests. So if that sounds fun, a short tiny bite of MSP goodness every Tuesday and you'd like to try it out, just go to go.tub.co forward slash Tuesday. That's gogo.tub.co forward slash Tuesday. Drop in your email and you'll get the very next one. Thanks for listening.